0: kingdom city church what an amazing day to be in church and i'm very excited to bring this message to you another installment in this season of sermons we've been in called kingdom come every time jesus began to speak and proclaim and to teach he was teaching about his kingdom he's our king and what does this kingdom look like how do we operate in it what are the benefits of the kingdom and jesus would tell these stories these parables that we've been looking at for the last few weeks so we could better understand how god's ways work into our world and jesus says in matthew 13 we'll pick up again right where we left off it says the kingdom of heaven it's like a treasure it's a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field and in his excitement." He tucked it away again, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that land so he could have that treasure. When he finds that treasure, he leverages his whole life to gain what Jesus says is that kingdom of God. In his excitement, or the NIV says, in his joy, he sold everything for that one thing. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, that which we buy and that which we give to, the things that we add our life value to, that shows where our heart is at. And God is always after your heart. If living in his kingdom, he he wants to be sitting on the throne in every area of our life. And as believers, there's an area normally that as maturing believers, the last place that we turn over to the Lordship of God. And that normally is our resource, our finance, our, our money. And so is this a money message? No, it is actually a kingdom message. And if you want kingdom come in every area of your life, you got to learn to make him Lord over all that you have. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I want to speak today in a few moments just about full hearts and open hands. That when our hearts are full of all that God has done for us, then our hands are open for everything that God wants to do through us. And again, this is a kingdom message because God wants to be the king over every part of your life. And money is a big deal. I think we have felt the tension of our finances and resources these last few years for many people more than ever. In fact, even in the current status of the economy and, and the inflation that we're facing and the, the, the long lead times to purchase things, people have been feeling the pinch. And so there's been more worry about our resources than ever before. But when we put the king over that place, not just build our own little kingdom but submit to kingdom come in our life we can have his peace his rule his reign over every area in our world so we're going to get god's perspective on our resource on our generosity and how we can experience his kingdom rule in this area of our life because every part of our life matters would you join me as we pray let's get our hearts prepared and i know as we talk about resource and we look through the scripture, this is gonna touch some places in our heart that we haven't fully submitted over to God. Let's just make the decision together that we have an open heart, he's gonna fill it up with his truth, and our response to what he speaks to us, not what I speak to you today, but what God speaks to your heart is that we'd start walking forward into life open-handed in generosity, open-handed to what he's asking of us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. That always points us to how we can become more like Christ and shows us the grace that we've been given to grow into our calling. A big part of all of our lives is the resources that we have, what we work for, what we save, and what we give. And God, we wanna give you these next few moments for you to take center stage and for you to speak to every open heart. Would you fill us up? Would you open up our hands? Would you open up our perspective? Would you open up even our minds to be able to see things the way that you wanna see it and the way that you want it done so we can experience your kingdom in every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says that God's on a lookout. God's looking over all the earth. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God's on a lookout. He's, he's looking out for every heart that is showing devotion. Every life that's fully committed so that he can strengthen. And one of the areas of our lives, that many people haven't given over devotion or lordship to God is in our resource. But God's actually looking at that part of your life and he says, hey, when I see that you're fully devoted to me in every area, I'm gonna strengthen every part of your life. When your heart is filled with the kingdom of God, our response to that full heart is an open hand. We have an open-handed attitude towards God and our resources. It doesn't say that God's looking for perfection. It says he's looking for devotion. So my question to you today is how devoted is every area of your life to God and his kingdom? Because Jesus shows his devotion by giving up his life on the cross and our response to that sacrifice that saves us that saved us is that anything that he asks from us, the answer should already be yes. Because when our hearts are full of his kingdom, our hands are open to administer our gifts, our grace, our time, our talent, and our treasure in a way that moves his mission forward because it's his mission that saved us and secured us in his family. And I think a key litmus test for all of us in a person's devotion to God, to show that you're fully devoted to him, is seen in our giving. When Jesus says that we seek the kingdom first, Matthew 6, that he gets the primary attention of our life, our aim is above all else, we're going after him. And you've already proven that today. You've proven that the first day of the week, you're showing up or tuning in to God's house. You're putting a priority on God's family, you're putting priority on church. We just started our service with worship and praise. We put a priority of devotion to his presence that we wanna glorify him and we wanna be where he is. And we wanna be in his community and his family. And when we give the first of our resource, when we when we when when you have open hands towards him when it comes to our increase and to our finances, it's showing that we have a devotion for the expansion of God's kingdom working through the church to the broken world around us. We want to carry that open-handed attitude because living with an open-handed attitude, it actually opens your heart up for the more that God has for your life. When we live open up that he gets to rule and reign in every area of our life, not only do we experience his best in every area of our life, but we get to see him work through us in powerful ways because our generosity collectively as a church doesn't just move our life forward in God's plan. It actually moves God's plans forward through our life as a church. I I love this verse from Proverbs 11 from the message. It says, the world of the generous, that's us. And I do believe I get to pastor one of the most generous churches on the planet. The world of the generous is expansive. It gets larger and larger, it increases. Can I tell you that your God wants to increase your life? And it's not that we give to get a bigger life. We give because he's given us everything in life and we return with that full heart and open hand and he expands our life, our influence, our relationships, the blessing and the favor of heaven show up in our real world. But on the other side of that coin in Proverbs 11, it says the world of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. That actually by withholding or holding onto yourself, you actually lose out on the expansiveness that God has for your life. So we live with this open handed attitude and it opens our hearts up for the more that God has for us but we live in a closed-handed world, but we serve an open-handed God. Your mentality when you were born was naturally in our flesh, in our normal way of thinking to be stingy. Like stinginess is not taught, you are born with it. Just ask any three-year-old right now in Kingdom Kids, if you take the toy they're playing with or someone else gets a toy they want, their immediate response is, that's mine. We're born to think about the things that we want to bring us joy. But when we're born again, and when we live for his kingdom, when our hearts are full with his kingdom, our response is not to think about just what we can get for ourselves, but what can we participate in, in generosity towards towards other. And as we're living this larger world that's expansive through our generosity, it enlarges our heart, it enlarges our perspective, it enlarges our influence, it enlarges our impact in life and jesus wants you to live generously and open-handed as a lifestyle as an attitude because it's the place when we participate in where he can do even more for us and even greater things through us see generosity is far more than just about your money it's about living unselfish and that's god's plan god sacrificed jesus because he's an unselfish god God gave his very best because he's a generous God. And so God's heart for you would be that of a giver and not of a taker. Because when you're living your life to give, it opens your life to more that God has for you. Your resources and the response you have to opportunities to walk in generosity, show God that devotion he's looking for so that he can strengthen your life and even bless your life. See, our our money matters. The way that we walk in in saving and giving and, and generosity and, and and blessing others and setting our families up for the future, it, it matters significantly. And so the God of heaven wants to make sure that we're operating in the right way. And I know I'm speaking to some people that because of financial difficulty or debt, you're, you're, you're just not in the place where you can participate. Well, we're already a couple of weeks into Financial Peace University as a church, but if you've never gone through that, Like jump in now, we'll help you catch up and make up the difference. You can't even afford to go to the class, we'll make it work for you because we do not wanna see you living in that small world. Our plan as a church at Kingdom City is that every one of us, no matter what our income might be, is that we're living with full hearts and open hands so we can experience his kingdom. And really that's for every single one of us. So we wanna get our mindset right when it comes to money because I believe it helps us even grow spiritually. Like the truth is, your resource has a part to play in moving God's plan forward. I love everyone that serves every Sunday at our church, everyone that opens up their home or leads a connect group, that's amazing. Your time is valuable. I love everyone that uses their talents, whether it's worshiping or in production or hospitality and greeting, even those that help straighten and clean and bring our church into order, they're using their talents to glorify God. But God's after everything. He's after talent, he's after time, and he is after treasure, not because God is a taker, but no, when he sees that full devotion, he sees someone that he can strengthen. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus, uh, he's actually warning about the Pharisees' attitude, that the Pharisees, they're they're consumers, that the Pharisees, the, the religious elite, that they're kind of takers, they actually, he calls them devourers in one translation. In verse four, it tells us this story of Jesus watching people in their participation in generosity. He says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. And then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. These are called the widow's mites. In fact, I have a friend, a pastor a mentor, who recently gave me a, a widow's mite from 60 BC, an ancient coin. It's this tiny little sliver of something that looks like copper. And this little thing, it's stamped on there. And and that's all she had was those two, and yet she brought it open-handed before God. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. She's given more. Now we know naturally speaking, she didn't give more of an amount, but God isn't interested in the amount. He's interested in the attitude of the heart and the openness of the hand. For they gave, in verse four, they have given a tiny part of their surplus, But she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. I I get this picture of this, this little old lady where all the wealthy people have gone first and it looks like she's kind of going last. And she might feel like her amount is the least and it's not significant. And maybe when you've given, that's the way that you feel. But God sees her frail little hand, Jesus sees her little hand open up and put those two little coins into the place of giving. And then Jesus stops everything. And you might think on the surface that Jesus would stop everything, and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, ma'am, you keep that for yourself. Hey, these other people, they've got it taken care of. You you don't need to participate. You hold on to yourself. And that 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 might make sense. Jesus saying, hey, we've got it covered from here. You you hold on to that. You're gonna need that more than anyone else. We might think that mentality from our limited perspective, but from God, Jesus' kingdom perspective, he says, no, when I see that full devotion. That's the kind of hand as frail as it might be and as meager as that gift might seem, that's the kind of life I can strengthen. That shows full devotion, a full heart and an open hand is the hand that I can bless. In fact, it says in Malachi, it's a a great book from the prophet Malachi, ends your Old Testament. Malachi says, hey, don't take from God, give to God. He says, return the tithe, that first 10% back to him. And God declares through Malachi and see if he won't open the windows of heaven over your life. I love that Malachi, you might not know this, but he's a contemporary, same timeline, uh, a prophet in in Ezra and Nehemiah's time. That Ezra who was helping to preach uh, the word of God back in God's city for the first time and Nehemiah who was rebuilding the city of God as they were coming out of exile and coming back to God's place. Malachi prophesies in that same season, return your resource back to God. I love that it's get back into God's house and get back into God's word and make sure that you get back into operating in generosity and honor back to God. I feel like if our nation or our city, our church, if it ever was a get back in God's house, get back in God's word and let's get back in generosity season, it's right here and now. Why? Because we have a, a kingdom to build and a city to reach. And we do that through our serve and we do that through our prayer and we do that through our invitation. But we also do that through this divine exchange of returning back to God that which he's allowed us to earn and honoring him with full hearts and open hands. As Jesus is watching her, I think he's always watching us not to hold something against us, but to open up more of heaven in our lives, to open up more of his kingdom, to strengthen us even in this area of our life. You know, when I put the kids to bed every night, um, I I hate being the buzzkill. I'm a night person, and and sometimes I'm working late, and I get home, and I just want to hang with them, and after we get homework done, and we have dinner together, uh, Liz gets on me sometimes, because I can can push that bedtime with them a little too late, but I just, I don't want to be the buzzkill, but I know I have to, because they got to get up in the morning, and they're like, but dad, we want to stay up. Uh, keep playing with us. Why would you try to stop our fun? This, This cartoon just came on, let us finish it, Dad." And there's a tension there because I like to party, but I also know tomorrow is coming. I know they gotta get up for school, that they're gonna be grumpy, and if they're grumpy and they don't learn, the next thing you know, they flunk out, they're living in my basement, and then they're watching all the cartoons that they wanna watch. And I'm joking here, but I have to think about the future. I might have to say no right now, so they can say yes to God opportunities or moving forward in life later. I don't want them to give up what they wanna enjoy in the moment, that fun, but I know that God has something in their future. And Jesus invites us to the same participation, that yes, we could use our resources for something that's fun in a moment, but he wants us to think about the future, that if we have to give up something now that's good, we can get in on something great, that's coming next. And so he invites us to live open-handed in our attitude. So how does this work in the church? It says in 2 Corinthians, and in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are all about collective generosity of God's house taking care of other people. It it speaks about churches that have this open-handed attitude. Uh, Generosity was an attitude to them, not, not just an amount. It was a perspective to them that they cared so deeply about moving God's world and God's work forward in their world that they were willing to be generous. In Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, Apostle Paul writes this, says, if you're really eager to give, it isn't important how much you are able to give. God wants you to give what you have, not what you don't have. Now, I'm a, first and foremost, I'm a firm believer on tithing. Your first 10% belongs back to God. The truth is our church has about 30% of people that we believe participate in tithing, and that is much higher than the average norm in the American church. But if you would just dream for just a moment of what if all of us would honor that principle that is not Old Testament or New Testament, it's just a God-honoring way to live, that if all of us would just be full in our heart with passion for his kingdom and open-handed by giving God our first and our best, all the good that we do now with those that are participating in generosity, how much more so could we do then? And I do not say that to challenge or to scold, but just to speak to your heart. If there's a place in your heart that isn't open to obeying God, that you would join in the joy of generosity, just like that man who sold everything to get a better treasure, that we would live that way, that we would be willing to leverage some of our life. Really, God deserves all of our life so that we could have that better thing that He's created us for. Paul in 2 Corinthians is saying, it's not what you give, it's the why behind you give. The background of this story is that the Christians in the church in Jerusalem, that that first church that started in Jerusalem, they're hurting, they're under oppression, they're under pressure. They're being hunted down, they're extremely poor and they're very persecuted. So Paul says to all the other churches that have benefited from that original church sending people out, he says, I'm taking a special offering to take care of the poor, the hurting and the hungry that are back in Jerusalem, those that are in a financial crisis. And he's just asking every church to step up. And the church in Macedonia, Paul uses them as an example. They said, sure, we'll help. And they gave generously. They gave radically. You should read it for yourself. They gave extremely. And now Paul is saying to the church in Corinth in in this book of 2 Corinthians saying, hey, now it's your turn. And I think every one of us, we need to understand that we got here based upon people's obedience and generosity that's been 2000 years in the making. We're in church today because someone obeyed and shared the faith with us or built a church that reached our parents and now we grew up in church. Or someone invited you to church. People's obedience has gotten us here and people's obedience when it comes to generosity has funded the mission of Jesus for 2000 years. And if we wanna build a church that's 100 years in the making, a multi-generational church that changes this city and impacts this region, and helps, I think, resurrect revival in America. We've got a part to play today that matters in the future, and ultimately we know that those things that belong to the kingdom, which are people, those people that belong to the kingdom will live on forever, that it's not just for the here and now, we're building something that lasts forever. So Paul turns to the church in Corinth through this letter and says, now it's your turn. He says, we want you to know, Corinthian church, that God's grace, what it has accomplished in the churches in Macedonia. In other words, our giving isn't a grind, we're graced for this. It says they have been severely tested by troubles that they've gone through personally, but their joy was so great. I love that. They had so much joy, even under adversity and trouble. They had so much joy that they were extremely generous in their giving to help the church in Jerusalem, even though they themselves, the church in Macedonia, were desperately poor. They didn't have a lot, but they were joy-filled to participate their little to make a big difference. When we live this open-handed way, when we have full hearts and open hands, uh, I wanna give you a couple things we can learn from that passage. First one is this, why don't you write this, John? Generosity makes my life enjoyable. We love to give out of joy. If you've ever had that stingy person that you've gone out to dinner with, and when it comes time to pay the bill, and I understand that there's times to split the bill, and I I get that, but they get out the cow calculator, they get out the abacus, they're, they're saying, okay, well, you took the last slice, so I'm gonna carry over the one, and we're gonna do the square root of that root beer that you ordered, and we're gonna go I before E, except after C, and you're like, friend, that's spelling, what are you talking about? They're just trying to calculate every little part that they pay, because they're not willing to pay another cent other than what they used. I mean, you know eating with someone like that, you might have enjoyed the meal, but in that moment, it's not enjoyable. My attitude has always been, Whenever I can, choose generosity first. It was modeled to me by my dad. There were seasons, even on the mission field, even my family, I knew we did not have very much, but my dad would always lean in to pay because that's the way that he lived his life. My dad modeled it for me. Maybe that's not what was modeled for you in your family, but let me tell you, in your heavenly family, God models going first with giving. He models generosity. He models pouring his whole heart out for all of humanity. So our response to what God has showed us the way to live is that we give out of joy, not out of duty, not out of guilt, not out of pressure. The Bible says we don't give out of compulsion or obligation. We give because we have a full heart of joy and our response is to give open-handed. If we want the best of the kingdom of God, we honor him in every part of our life. I want you to experience this. So we don't pay the tithe, it's not a bill that we owe. We return the tithe because it belongs to God. We don't take offerings at the church. We receive giving because ultimately, you're giving unto God through the local church. The political climate of the churches that Paul is writing these letters to and that he's leading is under unbelievable persecution. Nero is the emperor and if you're a Christian, he has a death warrant out for you. They're being fed to the lions and they're being set on fire. And I don't mean like youth camp, like you need the fire of God. I mean, they were literally being set on fire. And and, and these churches who people are being chased down and, and crucified for their faith, so much more worse than anything we could ever experience right here and now, real persecution. They had very little, but they had everything. This church 2000 years ago, I said we've received so much even under the oppression of an empire. It didn't matter to them because they had an understanding and their eyes open to a kingdom. That one time, one day the empire would go, but the kingdom would last forever. And listen, their open handed attitude and the way that they gave and the way that they love, it's documented in secular history books that the believers serve the terminally ill and even to their own demise the way that they loved and lived generously, open-handedly opened the doors of their home, gave of their lives, literally turned the empire around. It went from the Roman Empire to the Holy Roman Empire because these persecuted Christians kept serving, kept giving despite persecution and poverty, they gave the most. And I believe they were the happiest people on the earth at that time. They had a real lasting joy. And I believe that about, about givers today. I think the happiest people on the planet, the most joy-filled people on the planet are givers in life. I think the unhappiest people in the world are, are takers. And so they turned over a whole empire because they had full hearts and open hands. The Bible tells us that it's, it's more happiness, it says. More happiness in giving than receiving. In fact, Jesus is the one that said that, not Santa Claus. But I remember as a kid, When I hear that passage, when I hear that thought, I'm like, yeah, right. Getting is a whole lot better than giving. I remember one Christmas, my my parents gave me like 30 bucks to buy my sister a gift. And so I went to, uh, in California at that time, it was called Pick and Save, it's now Big Lots. And I was rolling large with my big budget and I bought my sister like a $9 volleyball. And uh, I kept the rest of the money for myself because I was thinking about me. What makes it really sad is about mid-January, I discovered that volleyball was still in the Big Lots bag in my closet. I never even gave it to her. And back then, as an immature little kid, I thought it was about, what can I do that's the minimum and keep the rest for myself? Now, as a parent, I think exactly the opposite. In fact, I don't even care if I get anything. My joy is seeing the blessing on my kids, what they get from Liz and I, from their grandparents, when they get to open up those gifts, that my value is seen in what others get to participate. The same way when we're maturing, maturing in our faith. Baby believers, your eyes are wide open to the goodness of grace. And now teenagers, if you will, at Christmas time, they just want the few things that are on their list and they get mad if they don't get it. And sadly, most believers live in that place. They live in that little teenage angst kind of world where if God doesn't fulfill their needs, they're frustrated. If the church doesn't fulfill their needs, they're frustrated. But when we get to be the parents, when we get to be the mature ones, which is about mentality and attitude, not age of life, we get to be like that Santa Claus, the one that brings the gift. That's when you have the most satisfaction. And friends, that's the mentality all of us need to grab a hold of. As our hearts are filled up with God's kingdom, our response is open hands towards him. We get unbelievable joy when we participate in generosity. Secondly, I believe this, generosity opens our lives for the supernatural. Right. Above and beyond our own ability, God begins to bring blessing and favor, not just uh, through finances, but in every facet of life, the world of the generous gets, I believe, supernaturally larger. In verse three, it says, for I testify, Paul says, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability how can you give up beyond your ability well that's got to be supernatural above super natural above your own natural ability that god actually as they had a heart to give gave them more than they would ever be able or capable of giving on their own why because with their open hand before god god put his hand on it and it multiplies into something even greater i think for us as a church the bible says he gives seed to the sower he's looking for a willing heart that will trust him and then he will entrust us with even more i think even supernaturally the bible says that he gives seed to the sower bread to the eater i believe he gives resources to the giver i believe those that operate with open hands and a full heart will never go without i think generosity It creates like an energy in our life. And I'm not talking about crystals or aura. I'm just, I'm talking about passion. It says in verse three and four of their own free will, they begged us and pleaded for the privilege of having a part to play in God's people, helping God's people in Judea. Their own free will, they decided they were passionate. They had an energy and an excitement to participate in helping others. A while ago, I was contacted by a person um, who had just lost her job a single dad his wife had left them um he was running low on on resource and money um he was recently divorced and I, I i've actually known him for a long time and i know his story His story's a tragic when his parents were missionaries and they they literally died um, on the mission field from a disease that they received and, and he was going through all sorts of trauma in his life and and heartache and he just asked me hey I know this is annoying, but can can you help me with just 400 bucks to catch up on my rent? I've just, I've gone through a hard time. And of course, because I had the resource, I was easily able to say, yes, no strings attached. Don't pay me back. I just want to move your life forward. And I know he felt relieved that he could pay the rent or catch back up on rent. But I tell you, I'm the one that felt the greatest blessing there. I, I was so grateful that I had the resources to actually help. And I would just say that I hope every single one of us would catch a hold of that spirit. That's not just me, our church is filled with unbelievably generous people that aren't just looking for self, we're looking to serve. And one of the ways that we serve is by practicing generosity through the church to the world around us. And if you've lost your energy or your excitement when it comes to generosity, I pray you would get it back. I believe generosity, it's a spiritual habit It's not a one-time thing that you do. It's a habit that you build. Just like reading the word and daily prayer and time in worship and being in community, I think generosity is a habit that we have to build. Second Corinthians again, this time in chapter eight, verse five, it says, "'They gave in a way that we did not expect. "'They first gave themselves to the Lord "'and then to us,' Paul writes." In other words, they were all in on this mission. And this is what God wants. Giving doesn't prove that I I just value what Jesus values. Giving proves that I'm becoming more like Him. When we're willing to have full hearts and open hands, we get to give ourselves fully to the mission that matters the most and become become more like Him. And this is what God wants. I'm telling you, generosity is what God wants for your life. I'm not saying this because we need the resources right now in the very near future. Uh, When we're rolling out our giving for the South location, we're going to need radical generosity. No doubt. I have no problem talking about it openly and and honestly, because the truth is we're going to need almost like supernatural resources. But I trust God to be our provider. But I know one of the ways he's going to provide is through this already generous church, taking ownership of the opportunity and stepping into the moment and saying, we want to do something that's bigger than us. And I pray that we'd have that same kind of Macedonian, full heart, open hand mentality, that we would be eager, excited, and even beg for the part that we could play, because we know this is something bigger than us. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse nine, it says, hey, church, you're familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. Of course, it's speaking of, of spiritually we're rich but Jesus who left the comforts of heaven, the King of all, was willing to go as low as possible, even into poverty, so that he could reach us. Now, God is not asking any one of us to give at that kind of a level when it comes to our natural generosity, but would we carry that same spirit? That we'd be willing to humble ourselves like Jesus did so that we could participate in his plan to save like Jesus has saved us and reached us. Ultimately, Jesus went to the cross, came to earth, born in the lowest of places in a manger because not because he wanted the attention, because he had this heart of full devotion to fulfill what the Father had asked of him. He was willing to humble out so that other hearts could be reached. In the same way, do not let our pride get in the way of participating in generosity together. For every single one of us as a church to own this message deep within our heart and make it the culture of this house in very many ways it, it already is but i believe that jesus gave the ultimate act of generosity by giving up his life and we are here today celebrating worshiping and fully saved because he surrendered in the same way let us make sure church that we with full hearts for god's kingdom and open hands before him we're willing to surrender it all to see his mission move forward into places it hasn't gone before my heart for us in this season is that we would beg for the opportunity to be generous because we'd experience that joy we'd experience that supernatural benefit and ultimately it would make us more like jesus why don't you stand to your feet wherever this message finds you and i want to take a moment to pray for you and pray for our church come on join me in this prayer Heavenly Father, I thank you that you poured out everything so that we could have you. In the same way, our response to the unbelievable generosity of Jesus is that we have a full heart filled with love for you and love for people, so we respond with open-handedness. God, show us what that looks like individually for every single one of us. The person to our left or the right, it does not matter their gift or amount, you're just asking us of something. And as we move into a season of generosity for us as a church, I thank you for the 12 years of faithfulness that people have responded financially. But in the season that's yet to come, the season that's right in front of us, this new frontier, this kingdom come, God, I thank you there would be a supernatural move towards generosity in this house. And let it echo for all of eternity. The life forever changed, the hearts reached, the people rescued, the people set free, because we walking open-handed before the God who's given us everything. Thank you, God, for this church that's been built on faithfulness and generosity for 12 years. And thank you that you're just getting started in us and through us for the great days that are right in front of us. Jesus.